Hello, world, and welcome to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. That's me, author of my what-if year, ex-CEO, sometimes intern, coffee-obsessed mom. Extra Shot is a podcast, a talk show, an advice column. It's that and more, but really, it's about bringing some energy, enthusiasm, and insight into your day. Join me and my incredible friends, authors, actors, activists, and even other people whose jobs do not start with the letter A, for a half hour of laughs and delight. Because we all need an extra shot of something. Hello, my extra shot friends. Are you ready to get down to business? Specifically, the business of writing, or rather, of publishing a book. That's what we're going to talk about on the podcast today. I entered writing, as many of you know, as a wide-eyed, geriatric millennial. My first book was published the week before I turned 41. That is right, yeah. Do you know when you get to that age and you have to like do the math in your head or when you get asked on a form how old you are and you have to stop because in my head I'm still 25? So yeah, yeah, published at 41. So I was, you know, no ingenue. But I came into the industry with so much to learn. Luckily, I had been an intern, so I knew what it was like to start in a new field. But man, publishing threw me for a loop. And that's why when I found today's guest's brilliant podcast, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing, of which she is a co-host, I was just immediately floored, listened to all the episodes, and continue to recommend it to everybody I know Carly Waters, who is that co-host and today's guest, is a guru to many aspiring authors. And she just dispenses this like common sense advice. They review query letters and she doles out hard truths about the industry, which is pretty invaluable to anybody who is thinking about writing a book or has written a book and is selling it or maybe has already published a book and still wants to do more or just wants solidarity with others in this kind of crazy field. So before I tell you a little bit more about Carly, who we decided on the podcast is just shark of center on the continuum of shark to teddy bear agents, which you're going to hear more about. I just wanted to remind you that if you have been enjoying hanging out with me in your ears, whether it's in your morning commute or as you're jogging. And if it's that, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm a good jogging partner. I I don't think I am. I certainly wouldn't be if I was physically with you. But wherever you're listening to this, if you are enjoying it, you can do that in real life very soon. I'm going to be in the US in November for some fun events in New York and Florida. And you can find all that information on my website, aliciafmiranda.com. And I have just announced that I am planning a small retreat, starting in London and then making our way up to the gorgeous Isle of Skye. If you read my book, we will be staying at Kinlock Lodge, but luckily I won't be serving you, so you don't have to worry about anybody spilling food all over your lap or setting themselves on fire at the table. And it's going to be incredible. We're going to talk about what ifs, we're going to have adventures, we're going to go kayaking and foraging and drink a bunch of whiskey and have an amazing time. And if you would like to come with me on this retreat, you can find everything out on the retreat page on my website. And I would love to see you on either side of the ocean. All right. So let me tell you about Carly Waters. She is an SVP and senior literary agent at PS Literary and the sitting vice president of the Professional Association of Canadian Literary Agents. She began her publishing career in London as an assistant at the Darley Anderson Literary TV and Film Agency. 
Carly joined Toronto-based PS Literary Agency in 2010 and has sold over 100 books during her career, which is pretty great if you think about that number. She represents award-winning and best-selling authors in the adult fiction and nonfiction categories and select children's books. She is known for her long-term vision for her authors and being an excellent collaborator with a nose for commercial success. Her clients' books have been translated into 40 languages, optioned for TV and film, adapted into podcasts, and have been on every bestseller list from coast to coast. Her popular writing podcast, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing, for which she is a co-host, has over 2 million downloads. So welcome, Carly, and I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Carly, welcome to Extra Shot. I am so glad to be here. I've been listening to the show um, and so excited to speak with you. So thank you for making some time to have me on. Oh my God, stop. I was, as I was just saying before we were recording, like I mentioned to a few writers that you were coming on and they were like, oh my God, that's incredible. So uh, you're like quite a celeb in the writing world these days, I think. You know, it's so funny because agents happen to kind of be the celebs kind of of the writing world sometimes because... I mean, for better, for worse, and oftentimes for worse, I think like we're kind of put on this pedestal, you know, to be like all these writers, you know, want to get published. We're part of the gatekeepers and authors see us as somebody who has the key to get through the gate to the other side. And so I think we are put on on a pedestal. So I try to be as relatable and down to earth as I can and obviously giving as much information as I can on the internet and and sharing my wisdom because we're just people at the end of the day, you know, just love books just uh, just as much as everybody else. Agents are people too. That's going to be the theme of this podcast. But it's funny. So I first found you through listening to your very successful podcast, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. It's okay to curse on this podcast. I love it. But you know, you've actually been delivering writing advice in various forms for pretty much your entire career, well before the podcast started. So take me back. I read that you started your career in London as a new agent. So tell me about your British experience. Yes, absolutely. So I'm Canadian and I was thinking I wanted to learn the book business in our the largest center possible. So I was looking at New York or looking at London, um, just, you know, as I said, you know, a huge, huge major center where I could learn the book business. And that took me to London, England. I did a master's in publishing studies, which basically it's kind of like a mini MBA for English grads okay. to learn about the book business. So our courses were, we had a course in editorial, a course in rights, a course in sales and marketing and publicity. We had a project management course, um, you know, so we were really kind of taught to, you know, essentially learn the entire book business. And then we had a thesis that we did that we kind of a dissertation that we wrote at the end of it. And I was, I've always been so curious about how art meets commerce in publishing. I just think, you know, there's so many incredibly talented writers out there, but yet we're creating a product that needs to be marketed and sold to people. So my dissertation was on literary prizes. So studying like the Booker and the Giller and those types of like large mm-hmm. book awards. And if being nominated or winning an award increased your chance of selling more books. And so, as I said, I've always been really interested in this in this space. And so that's what my dissertation was on. And then while I was doing my program there, I worked as an assistant at the Darley Anderson Agency. And I worked with Madeline Milburn, and she has her own agency now. And she's Ooh, a fantastic yeah. agent. Yeah, and she was my first boss. So I was over there and then I knew I always kind of wanted to come back across the pond. So I started working at PS Literary Agency in 2010 and really have just, you know, been building my my list ever since. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that was the subject of your dissertation because one of the things, well, first of all, I want to know 
what you found? Like, <laughs> did did the prizes increase the sales of books? Depended on the prize and depended on the book. So the books that were so capital L literary fiction, the stuff, the tough, the stuff that's a little bit more experimental was never going to kind of reach that huge mass appeal. But the books that were, even if they didn't win the prize, if they were shortlisted for the prize and they were the mer- the most commercial or hook driven of the shortlist, that's the book that sold the most amount of copies. So it was like bringing awareness to the books, and then through the shortlist, whoever was the most commercial or hook driven sold the most copies. I'm fascinated by this, having come into publishing as an author fairly, I don't think it's late. I think I'm still very early in my career, but later than some, I guess. And coming from a business background, and it seems like the analytics behind the industry are like way behind where a lot of other industries are. So you kind of get this idea that you're trying a whole bunch of different ways to sell a book and that you've got a lot of different people's opinions about what's going to sell and what's not going to sell, but that there's like not like a giant, you know, Westworld style, like round computer in the middle of a room that's actually figuring this out. I mean, has that been your experience and has that changed? You know, I wish that I could say that it's getting better. Mm. I actually feel like in a lot of ways it's getting worse because (laughs) I know because we we all buy our books from different places and we all buy them in different formats. And there are some kind of central reporting systems for book sales in terms of um, in the US, it is BookScan. It's been rebranded. It's called Circana now. So you might hear it be called Circana. But, you know, people, booksellers do report their sales into Circana, but not everybody does. And so depending on the genre, it's anywhere between 60 and 80% of market capture, which if you're going to talk about data, I mean, that's not a that's not an accurate data pool. Mm-hmm. So we do have data in terms of sales data, but we don't have a lot of kind of consumer data. And there are some groups, the Codex group, who, who do the, the survey results for the things like the Authors Guild survey of like author earnings. And so mm-hmm. they will do market studies, but only if somebody kind of pays them to do it. So they're not like an independent research group that kind of goes out and does this research. So as I said, we're all buying books from all these different places. Some of us are on Instagram. Some of us are on TikTok, you know, and and there isn't this kind of centralized place to collect a lot of data, which I think is making it really hard to kind of gain more information in the information age. Well, and like even to see the the return on investment of your promotion efforts. So how much a tour impacts your book sales, how much in a podcast, a set of Instagram lives. And, you know, I worked in the with nonprofits for most of my career where they are under constant pressure to report their impact and what they're doing. And, you know, not that book publishing is not extremely important, but sometimes they're doing this in like life or death situations. Uh, and I'm just, I'm constantly amazed. I'm like, who's going to figure this out? Because that person's going to be like a kajillionaire, really, if somebody can say, if you invest X amount in TikTok creator marketplace, you're going to be able to spit out Y amount in book sales. But maybe that will never happen. You know, I honestly don't think it will. Like speaking of the Codex Group, they have this program now called author equity, where they work with certain publishers to do research about, so say say a celebrity has a huge platform, right? So say they have like millions of followers on a certain platform. This author equity program through Codex Group, they will do surveys to figure out how many of those followers are actually book buyers. And of those, of the, mm-hmm. of those followers who are book buyers, you know, would they buy a book, you know, at this time or in this topic? And it's really, so they, they're, they're, again, there are 
programs to kind of figure this out, but publishers aren't investing in them. And authors don't obviously have the money to invest in them. So there's a lot of just everybody's pointing fingers. It's kind of like, you know, that meme of the Spider-Man meme where like everybody's pointing a finger at the other (laughs) Spider-Man figure. Like we're always like pointing at each other to figure out like, who's gonna, are you figuring this out? Because I don't have time to do this, you know, and, you know, not to be a bummer, but like, you know, it's been a tough few years for people in terms of emotionally and in businesses, but publishing is doing really well, you know, in times of struggle and in times of lockdown, like people were really reading and turning to books. Um, And so as an entertainment kind of entity, Mm -hmm. the book business is doing well. It's just, you know, a little bit stratified right now. So being an agent is the kind of core of your business. And, you know, you had this blog that you started right back in the day and you published a book based on the blog, which was advice that you had kind of given to writers. So first thing I want to know is, did you ever want to write like fiction? Are you a writer? Do you write as well? No, I don't. I I feel like I have the utmost respect for writers because I don't feel like I've ever had what I call like a voice. Do you know what I mean? Like I think to to know that you have something to say and it's like burning, you know, it's this burning desire to communicate a thought or a character that lives rent-free in your head and something that you just, this burning desire to get something on the page. I've never felt that feeling. Mm. And I've always just loved creativity though. And so I took courses in undergrad, you know, creative writing courses, but I really just like to be the one listening on everybody else and, you know, doing the critiquing, not the one that's like, oh, it's my day to share. So I've always liked being in the chair where, I can kind of see the landscape, you know, take the the lay of the land, but not be the one that that's doing the writing. I've always felt naturally, uh, fell naturally to the side. And what do you think makes a good agent? That's a really great question. You know, I I feel like this is, this is a job that is incredibly unregulated. You know, so it's not like lawyers have to pass the bar exam. You know, it's it's not <laughs> like that. Like anybody can call themselves an agent. So. Everybody has to start somewhere, but you have to have great mentorship and great leadership in order to know that if you have a question, you can turn to somebody, you know, and get that answered. So one of the, one of, I think the most important things is having great taste, number one, because that is something that you can't teach somebody how to do. I think you can kind of potentially train somebody, but you know, we can't clone ourselves and, you know, and try to communicate that telepathically, not yet. (laughs) you know, we are human beings, right? Who have, you know, idea generating human beings. And so the, the agents who have really great taste, it's not something you can teach or necessarily communicate, right? It's that whole in publishing, like, you know, I'll know it when I see it type of thing. So that is something that is really quite essential to, you know, being an agent and being able to call it your business. And, and after that, there's the things just like, you know, in terms of communication, you know, being able to communicate with clients and editors and being very reliable and trustworthy. You know, I think agents can get a reputation for not always being truthful. And that sucks, right? Because that sucks for all the agents who are yeah. extremely truthful and, and you know, keeping everything above board. So I feel like we all have to work extra hard to make sure that, you know, we're doing right by our clients and keeping our promises. And But really our job is not to make promises because I can't tell a client, like, I'm going to sell your book or it's going to sell for this much or it, it will move this many units. Right. I would never, ever make those promises, right? So it's all just based on our trust, our communication, you know, my belief in you. And if I can be your first champion, you know, be your first biggest fan, 
I wear that really proudly. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very proud of the authors that I represent and the, the creative work that they do. So, you know, those are some of the things that that come to mind. Um, it's, it's really a people business, you know, as much as it is obviously writing and, you know, polishing things up and editing, it's, it's really just a, it's a relationship business. There's a lot of negotiation involved. So not necessarily everybody has to be, you know, again, has to have credentials in terms of like passing it, passing a negotiation course or anything like that. But you have to know, you know, that our job is to work on behalf of the authors, not on behalf of the publishers. So I'm always going to fight the good fight on behalf of authors to get them the best deal possible. I mean, I think that really comes across and you talk about collaborating with the authors that you work with. You know, I think that I have, I mean, writers talk about our agents all the time, like constant, good, good and bad. Like there's a constant of flow course. of gossip happening. And I've spoken to a lot of writers who have had multiple agents through their careers. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you know when it's time to part ways, either from the agent side or the writer side? Yeah, it's honestly, it's honestly a really, really tricky, tricky thing to navigate because as I said, it's a personal business, right? Like we're in the people business. And so I can really, really like somebody that I work with, but, you know, maybe we just haven't been able to sell their book. And so if it happens like book after book after book, mm. sometimes I will have that conversation with them and just say, look, like I just might not be the right fit for you. It has nothing to do with me or with you. It's just together. The alchemy of us coming together is just like, we're just not able to launch this for you. And and maybe it's time for you to find another agent. So, you know, I will I will initiate, initiate those types of conversations if need be. Sometimes authors will feel like the grass is greener on the other side, you know, and I understand why they might feel that way. Mm-hmm. I think that as you said, right? Authors love to talk about, you know, their agents. And I think there is this idea that like, oh, this agency can do this or this agency is doing mm-hmm. that. But every agency has their pros and cons, right? Like there are those huge, you know, the CAAs and the WMEs, right? Like those acronym agencies where they have a podcast department and a film and TV department. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have that's, that all sounds really great. Yeah. But like, can you get your agent on the phone? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's what you need. You need them to answer your emails. They're going to be working with a lot of people. So, they're going to prioritize a certain caliber of client at an agency like that just by necessity. Whereas smaller agencies, you can have a lot of attention to detail in terms of being able to work really closely with your agent because they have a more boutique list. And then there's kind of mid-sized agencies where they have a certain number of resources, which is great, but they still have time to be able to dedicate to you as well, which is why you see a lot of kind of that that kind of middle range of agencies where they're able to kind of focus on their strengths, but still be, you know, able to um, be available to their clients. So yeah, it's an interesting business. It's a pretty measured perspective, I think. Now, okay. So I, in the prep for this interview, I was going to ask you in some hot takes on fictional agents. Yes. Okay. The first question I have to ask is, so have you never watched Friends? Do you, are you not a Friends fan? Because I offered Estelle from Friends as a possibility. Yes. So I am an elder millennial. So I watched Friends on television. Like it was like Thursdays at 8 p.m. I'm watching my mom. (laughs) And so, so I watched it when I, again, I'm like, I'm turning 36 this year. So whenever that happened, I watched it. And so I think it must've been like 
a young teen at that mm-hmm. point. So I don't remember every episode. You haven't of like Friends. revisited it on exactly. Okay. Like I love the ecosystem. I understand the relationships. I've watched it all at least once, but I'm not one of those like rewatchers. So okay, fair enough. Because sometimes if I describe someone as like Estelle from Friends, who is Joey Tribbiani's agent, yeah, that is like a very iconic image. Okay, but give me a hot take on Ari Gold from Entourage. Yes. So he is the classic shark agent, right? The one that's like going to pick the phone up and light somebody on fire for whatever, you know, good (laughs) or bad thing that like type A personality rage level is so high. And so are there agents out there like that in the real world? Yes. Those types of agents exist. They're not typically book agents, though. They're more like the talent <laughs> agent side. Hollywood, Hollywood people. Exactly. But there there are some shark-like agents out there. And so whenever authors think about like, oh, what type of agent do I want to work with? I mean, agents are all kind of on a sliding scale of like shark to teddy bear, you know? So you kind of have to think about like, do I want a shark? Do I want a teddy bear? And there's pros and cons to everything. I think sometimes a lot of authors might, the authors that do think they want a shark, what they want is they want somebody to just be aggressive on their behalf. But what, what happens with sometimes when you have a shark agent is they bite both ways. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, if they're going to be snarky outwards. They might be, they're often snarky with clients as well. And so, you know, you kind of have to be careful of like, the shark bite both ways. Where are you on the shark teddy bear continuum? <laughs> on the shark teddy bear continuum, I think I am central to more sharkish than less sharkish, mm-hmm. but I would say pretty central. I'm I think that I'm a very understanding person. I also think I take no bullshit because I'm like I know what I'm up against. I know this is a multi-billion dollar industry and so I know when I have to go hard for my clients for when they deserve it. But I also know the people on the other end, you know, they work in publishing. Sometimes the advances that they're offering my clients are more than their yearly salary, you know? And so sometimes it's hard also for the editors I'm negotiating with to kind of understand the stakes of the negotiation because they don't understand it to be kind of life and death necessarily for my client who, you know, needs that money in their pocket, needs it in a timely manner. And so I know why I'm fighting for things. And I know sometimes they have to kind of push things up the chain in order to get things done. So I understand like the humanity in all of us, but I also understand it's a multi-billion dollar business and I know which way the money flows. You are, you are like a nurse shark, like a nice nice (laughs) shark that doesn't bite people. All right. How about uh, Susie Meyerson from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Yeah, so I've I think I've watched like two seasons of, of okay. Mrs. Maisel. So I, I know the Susie character. I I feel like Susie just like fell into being a manager, being an agent, <laughs> which is so interesting because I think there's totally people who fall into this job as you know, she's a classic just talent spotter, right? She's just like, I want to hitch myself to this thing because mm-hmm. I recognize the talent in that. And what I've always loved about that character is that essence of like fighting the good fight, you know, it's just like knowing that the person you're working with deserves the best and knowing what you have to do to make that happen. And when you're a new agent, like as Susie, you know, represents, you know, her client at the beginning, you feel like 
everything rests on your shoulders. And I always, I've always felt like, you know, Susie like had the weight of the world on her shoulders to kind of launch this client. And so I feel like new agents feel that way as well. And sometimes you kind of have to learn how to take the load off because as agents, we, we have many clients, right? It's not like we just have one client. We have lots of clients. And so when we carry the weight of all of our clients all the time, that can be so heavy and we have to learn how to put that weight down um, and I think Susie's a great example of like learning that sometimes you have to put that weight down and it can really burden you if you carry that around all the time and like totally. enjoy your weekends, read for fun, you know, carrying the weight of this business on our shoulders is a lot of work. Carly, this has been amazing. I cannot let you leave without talking a little bit about social media because, mm-hmm. you know, there's the writing and then there's all the stuff that comes around the writing. And I know, as I'm sure you do, a lot of writers who love the writing and find the part where you have to put yourself out there, especially on social media, building a personal brand, all of that stuff, really, really challenging. And it makes them kind of miserable. What do you tell your clients about how they should be engaging with social media? Yeah, I I, I mostly take it as a client by client topic. I mean, because I know everybody's comfort level is going to be different. My steadfast belief is that if you are going to put a product out into the world, you need to be able to kind of back that product up in a way that these days people want, readers want to find you right there. They want to know if you're on Instagram or if you have a sub stack and, and they want to develop an interpersonal relationship with you. And, you know, back in the day, it was like writing fan mail to the publisher. So like, there's always been this reciprocal relationship of mm. if I'm going to create a product it is going to be for a consumer and that consumer is eventually going to, again, whether it's a parasocial relationship or a fan mail situation, it's like <laughs> they they want to follow you and engage with you. And if they like what you have to say as a thought leader or the themes that you're writing about, you have to give the readers an opportunity to spend time with you in whatever capacity that is and however you want to do it. And so I think Instagram is a really natural extension for an author because it's text-based and it's visual-based. So text-based meaning, you know, I think a lot of authors love Twitter because it was like, we could just hide behind the keyboard, you know? RIP Twitter. Uh RIP Twitter. And so some people are on threads, but I think Instagram is also great because it's the captions, right? You can write awesome captions, but the visuals in terms of, you know, book covers and, and, you know, being able to bring that visual element in terms of, you know, promoting your book. I think the combination of that is why Instagram can work really well for authors. There's obviously TikTok out there, but that's more for, it's kind of like Goodreads. It's it's more for the readers, right? Like the book talkers are the readers of the books mm. talking about the book. So it's not that you have to go out there and create all of this content. It's really just about you being you online, showing up as you are and taking yourself seriously as a business person. Because I think a lot of authors want to think of themselves as a creative and don't want to think of themselves as a business person. But again, you're creating a product to be sold in the year 2023, we're obviously moving into 2024. The reality is that 70% of all book sales are sold online, whether so e-commerce, whether it's the ebook, the digital audio, or a print book being mailed mm-hmm. to your house, 70%. That's and crazy. so if somebody's buying from a thumbnail, how are we going to create that opportunity for them to do it? And so we have to be out there. We have to be on the internet. You just have to do the work and think of yourself as a business person. And I know it can be super uncomfortable and it's definitely wearing a lot of hats, Authors have to be incredibly entrepreneurial, I think, to make it these days. That is 100% true. Wise and sensible advice from the giver of advice, your phenomenal podcast and your great work. Carly, thank you so much for joining me today. This was like my own personal episode of The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. (laughs) 
Yes. Well, I'm so honored that you invited me on. And yes, all the listeners, you can tune into our podcast, The Shit No One Tells You About Writing, where we critique query letters and have author interviews on. And you can also find me on Instagram at Carly Waters. I do recommend that podcast to people at least once a week, maybe more. Thanks so much for tuning in today to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. A special shout out to the team at Texture Sound for all their support. If you're in the mood for more of me, pick up a copy of my What If Year, which is out now in bookstores everywhere. Sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I can promise news, views, and memes about Gilmore Girls. If you have feedback, ideas for upcoming segments, burning questions, things you need advice on, please reach out. And otherwise, we'll catch you on the next Extra Shot.